Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and I want you to picture that you go to your kitchen faucet one day, you turn it on to get a drink, but instead of crystal clear water, what comes out is this nasty brown liquid with a funky smell. Okay, got that image imprinted in your mind? Good. Now, keep it there as you listen to this week's show. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. According to the Centers for Disease Control, there are 801,000 unnecessary deaths among children in our world every year. Now, that's about 2,200 children under the age of five every single day. And they're all killed by the same thing, diarrhea caused by a lack of safe drinking water. But hey, that's a third world problem, right? I mean, the water you drink here in North America is perfectly safe, isn't it? Well, ask the residents of Flint, Michigan, where a series of bureaucratic missteps poisoned the water supply for an entire city. Oh, and remember Hurricane Katrina? Well, a single storm turned an American city into a third world hellhole overnight. I mean, the thousands of people who took shelter in Louisiana Superdome suffered because there was no water purification on site, no chemical toilets, no anti-diarrheal medication, and no fresh water. The National Guard delivered truckloads of bottled water and MREs, which was only enough to supply the evacuees for about three days. So, do you want to trust your life to government handouts? What will you do when your child looks at you and says, Daddy, I'm so thirsty? And how do you choose between drinking from a potentially contaminated water supply and becoming debilitated from diarrhea or worse, or going thirsty and suffering the effects of severe dehydration? In an emergency, you can't afford to be taken out by a lack of drinkable water. So what do you do? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is water survival expert, Glenn Meter. Glenn, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is, uh, this is going to be good, man. We've had, um, we've talked about your, your workshops that you've done, your online workshops and stuff before, and people get a lot of information on it. So I'm looking to kind of pull out some of those best tips and tricks on, uh, for this one. So I know we're going to have a good time. Now listen, everybody, uh, if you, if you haven't attended Glenn's workshops or gone over to his website and checking out his program, uh, Glenn has worked all of his life in his family's business, pure and secure. Now, The company is a manufacturer of premium water distilling appliances and is, in fact, the leading manufacturer in the world of these devices and are used by everyone from small families looking for a dependable survival solution to large companies like Boeing and others. U.S. embassies, for example, use Glenn's pure water products to protect their employees from harsh water conditions and potentially terror threats to their water supply. Glenn has traveled extensively throughout South America and Asia, educating people about survival water solutions and the process of distillation. Now, to learn more about Glenn, his company, and his survival water solutions, please visit his website at www.survivalwaterstill.com. Okay, Glenn, let's let's go ahead and get started. I mean, I, I think 
I think it's pretty safe to say that we take our water supply for granted. I mean, it's always been there when we need it, and very few of us ever have to worry about safe drinking water. Now, with the disaster in Flint, Michigan, the danger to our water supply has been a lot more prominent lately, and that just scratches the surface. So what do you see that people need to know about the major threats that could take away our access to drinkable water. I mean, people, how do we, how do we jostle people out of that safe zone thinking that they have that water is always going to be there? Yeah. Okay. So if you want to look at major threats to our water supply, what we have to look at is anything that can cripple our infrastructure. And, and this is, this is really one of the main differences between the U.S and third world countries is, is our tremendous infrastructure. And, you know, roads, uh, we have water distribution, water treatment, sewage treatment, communications, medical, and of course the electric grid. And this, this infrastructure is, is pretty amazing. It allows us, it keeps us safe. It allows us to be incredibly productive. And, and like you said, it, we take it for granted. We all take it for granted. And not only do we take it for granted, but we're completely dependent upon it, even more so than than other countries around the world. We are completely dependent upon it. So you can look at disasters that have happened that can cripple that infrastructure. Um, you've, you've mentioned uh, hurricanes, Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy. There's flooding. There's there's earthquakes. Um, there was the probably the largest example we can we can point out in recent times is the earthquake, the, the 9.0 magnitude earthquake that struck Japan. Uh, this was in 2011 that caused that massive tsunami that came in. It was just devastating, but it also, um, it also caused the nuclear disaster, which was probably the worst environmental disaster of all time. Hmm. Now, um, one thing, one disaster that not many people remember is the Northeast Blackout of 2003. And that was, it happened right after, you know, a couple of years after 9-11. And so people were kind of freaked out. They didn't know what, what caused this. But basically Manhattan, New York, all, all of the East Coast up to Ontario, down through Detroit, over through Cleveland and over, 50 million people were without power four days and freaked people out. The lesson, though, that we learned was after the power came back on, the other infrastructure failed. So you had the water treatment systems. People in Cleveland had to boil their water for weeks afterwards. Hmm. And so what we find is that the electrical grid is the electrical grid is the infrastructure for our infrastructure. Hmm. And so the electric grid, I, if I put rank everything, the electric grid is the biggest point of weakness for us. And so there's a book out, a new book out called Lights Out by Ted Koppel. And it's really a fantastic book. Uh, he did this, I think it's two years of research on this, interviewing the top people in the government about the biggest threat, which is um, cyber attacks on our electric grid. And right now, countries like Russia, China, even Iran, and North Korea can take down our electric grid. 
and that would be not for days, could be weeks or even months. And that is a huge deal. And so the most immediate threat that people will face is water and safe drinking water. And so it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how well armed you are. If you are too sick to, to lift your head up, which is what happens when you get really contaminated water, you know, it doesn't matter. Water must be your number one preparation. And that's why I say knowledge, knowledge about water, knowledge about water purification, water understanding the different types of emergencies, that type of thing. That is the most important preparation that you can do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and I think people just I think sometimes think that there's just a um like a direct pipe in the ground from where their their faucet is and it just goes in and it doesn't require electricity or or pumps or purification. I think people know it it requires purification obviously, but you know a lot of people also have their own their own wells. You know, I live off of rainwater. Um, but even that could be contaminated by something or I could, you know, have a leak and all of a sudden all my water is gone. And but even all the water sources where this water comes from, I think, you know, people that live near Colorado's Animus River, you know, that thing turned bright orange when the EPA accidentally dumped like a million gallons gallons of industrial mine waste into that fresh water supply. And, you know, there's another example like in um I think it was Sebring, Ohio, where you know, there was so there were such high levels of lead and copper in the town's water supply that officials had to close the schools and and bring in water just like you know they're having in in Flint Michigan too so it's not even just that you might not be able to get the water out of the ground or you know even if you have your own well you're still going to need electricity to get that water out and stuff but even just the quality of water can quickly become contaminated now i think i think also glenn that most people actually don't drink water if you were to ask me i think we drink a lot of other beverages throughout the day but very few people, I think, out there just kick back with a with a bottle or a glass of water. And I think that leads people to think that they can just go a long time without water because they're not drinking water. But the reality is a lot different. I mean, how much water do you think we somebody actually needs in a crisis? And I guess built into that is the people that are relying on or thinking just because they're drinking something like milk or juice or soda, you know, that especially probably soda, like, are those valuable water sources? And, and, you know, so how much water does somebody need to prepare for, for to face an emergency? And does it count like all these other sources as well? No, that's a good question. And you're right. Most people don't think about water. And, and I think one of the reasons is they don't drink water. They, they drink coffee and they drink tea and pop and all of this stuff. But when they can't go to Starbucks and they can't turn on the tap and they can't go to the store and get bottled water, that's when they realize that, yeah, they they need water and they need a lot of water. Uh, the average person needs about two quarts of water per day based on, I mean, depending on how hot it is, how much work you're doing, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think an important point that a lot of people miss is that infants and children need a lot more water for their weight than adults do. Hmm. So don't, when you're doing your preparations, don't just consider your infant to, to just need a bottle of, you know, maybe a liter of water or half a liter of water a day. I mean, they, they need, they need just, 
count on them as being a full person in your preparedness. And also, these children and infants are much more susceptible to contaminants that can be in water. And that's true for people that have uh, immune deficiencies, diabetes, something like that, cancer survivors, something like that. So anyway, to go back to your question, yeah, water, just, just plain old water is the best source of water for your body, of course. The others can be used, of course, but um, water is water is the best thing because you're going to, you can balance, if you just have pop, you're, you're going to get out of balance with all the sugar intake and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So just, just water is the number one priority. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it can, it, those chemicals and, and sodas and things like that, and even whether your body processes these things as food or as water, it can kind of disrupt everything. The main thing your body wants is water. Yeah. Yeah. All especially right. when your food, especially when your food sources and everything else has changed, you need to balance that out with just, just water. Yeah. Good point. Okay, we've been talking with Glenn Meter of survivalwaterstill.com about how to provide you and your family with pure, clean, drinkable water in an emergency. And we have a lot more to get to, including the facts about water storage every family needs to know to have an at-the-ready stockpile when a crisis hits. Your choices for cleaning contaminated water, what works, what doesn't, and what to watch for. And the ultimate water survival trick that comes through for your family's self-reliance when all other means of getting drinkable water fail. All this and more coming right up after this message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Glenn Meter of survivalwaterstill.com talking about how to build out your own personal water survival plan to face any crisis. And we have a lot more to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right back in now. Now, Glenn, one of the questions that we get asked all the time here at Modern Combat Survival is how to store drinkable water for emergencies. Now, I remember that there was this episode of Doomsday Preppers, and I'm not—I'm certainly not saying Doomsday Preppers is like the ultimate how-to uh, television show out there. But there was this woman that had 
like two liter soda bottles of water squirreled away in every closet and behind her furniture. And that doesn't seem like the best way to store water to me. So how do I go about storing emergency water and how much do I need to store away? Okay, that's a good point because two liter bottles of, uh, of let's say, the, the sort of pop or let's say juice or something like that, that is not ideal to store water in because it had sugar in it. And you cannot get that clean enough to ensure that you're not going to have bacterial growth in those bottles. The best way to do it is really just to buy commercially produced bottled water. You want to have a two-week supply of water for each person, one gallon per person per day. I recommend Aquafina. I mean, it really is. I I recommend Aquafina because it's good water. It's cheap and it's readily available all over the country. And um, that's the best way to do it. You can uh, store your own water, but it's not as easy as people think because you can get into biological issues. So there are some there are some things to think about there. But bottled water and storing bottled water is it's a very important part of it, but it's only half of it. Uh, you, you also need to know how to treat the water because Bottled water is is heavy, it's it's clunky, it's very hard to carry, and then once it's gone, it's gone. So you need to be able to also treat the water uh, that, and and if you can treat the water properly, treat the water, then you have really an ongoing source of this. Yeah, yeah. Once your water bucket's empty. <laughs> I mean, that's, exactly. it's empty. And it makes sense, like, you know, we talk about, you probably, you need to ingest about two quarts of water a day, but, but to, but to plan out that one gallon, first of all, it gives you a buffer zone, but also, if you're eating food and things like that, you might need additional water for, even for hygiene, because hygiene's important, especially if you're talking about weeks or something like that. So in the planning, planning stages, you really need, do need to look at about, at least, you know, that minimum of that one gallon per, yeah. Yeah, and I would, I would stretch that out because the bottled water will be really good water, but you don't need that really good water for hygiene and that type of thing. So so when the Red Cross recommends one gallon per person per day, half a gallon of that is going to be drinking water. Other is going to be hygiene and all that. Yeah. But I would, I would use like a filter and chlorine to treat water for washing hands and washing tables and stuff. I wouldn't necessarily use bottled water for, you know, hygiene and that type of thing. That's a really good point. That's a really – because, I mean, you, you never know how long it could possibly go. And you might think, especially at the beginning of a crisis, well, I've got all this water and you're using these, you know, clean, drinkable bottled water for washing your hands after using the restroom and for washing yourself up and things like that. And that's that's like gold, you know, I mean, that's when you think about it, if you don't know how long you're going to be without drinkable water, that is the most precious resource that you've got. And you don't want to be wasting on something like that. So there's probably other, you know, there's, other, there's better hygiene ways that you can still, you know, s- stay clean and, and keep yourself safe that way without dipping into what you might possibly need just to survive in the way of water. Good point. Now, Glenna, I know that there are a lot of different ways to go about getting drinkable water in a crisis. And you know, I know you can boil it, you can treat it chemically, you can filter it physically. What are the pros and cons of the most popular water survival methods? Okay, there's a lot of misinformation out there about 
what to do with water and how to treat water. What I recommend people do is uh, look at the Red Cross recommendations. And there's a there's a booklet that you can download for free called Food and Water in an Emergency, just, just from the Red Cross. And that's a very important thing. You should have it printed out. Basically, in a nutshell, what they tell you to do is there's three recommended methods for treating water. Boiling, chlorination, and distillation. Actually, filtration is not one of the three recommended methods uh, because there are some problems with filters they really can't be relied upon for biological contamination. Uh, of the three methods, boiling, chlorine, and distillation, um, those are really geared at um, biological contamination. Distillation is the only one that purifies the water. Now, when I say filters, filters are not one of the three recommended methods. They are still an important part of it, though, because you want to use a filter as a pretreatment for the Red Cross recommended method. And that, that's an important, important step there. Distillation is not necessarily needed, but for boiling and chlorination, you definitely want to pre-filter the water. Mm-hmm. And, um, but chlorine and boiling are very effective against biologicals, but they don't remove anything else. Distillation is the only one that is effective against biological, but it's also effective against uh, chemicals, radioactive contaminants, um, min- minerals such as arsenic, lead, fluoride, all that stuff. And so distillation is really the only standalone thing that can be used on dangerously contaminated water. And, you know, this is, I'm, I'm just skimming the surface. There's, there's a lot of knowledge here that you need to know, uh, but, you know, we can only cover so much right now. But I think the Red Cross recommendations is the good starting point for everyone. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Well, let, let's talk about distillation because um, you know this. W- when I spoke to you a while back about this, my big revelation with it was in looking at contaminated environments. Now, I've been through natural disasters. I've been through a massive flood recently, and and the thing is, is that especially when there's any type of flooding or whatever, there's the water resources that you have quickly become contaminated from things like motor oil and gasoline, a lot of sewage. Um, you know, sewage gets just gets backed up. It's all over the place. And now you're looking at E. coli poisoning and things like that. And the big thing was kind of like chemicals because trying to purify or, or trying to filter out motor oil and things like that, you know, that's that's not an easy thing to do, and so wh- wh- for so that people understand what is like water distilling, and I and and how does like your your product the the water the water still that you have, like how, how is that portable? Is it this big giant contraption? Like what is this? Give some people some people like an idea of how they would go about using this in this type of a scenario. Sure, sure. Survival still is a small stainless steel device. It's about four inches tall by uh, 12 inches round. And it's, it basically distills the water. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to, when you bring water to a boil, the boiling kills bacteria and parasites, that type of thing. But then the pure, the steam that comes off is pure water. And the contaminants get left behind in the boiling pot. So the more you boil that pot, 
the more concentrated the contaminants will get in that boiling water because the pure water is leaving that steam. So what we want to do is we want to take that steam and separate it, condense it back down into liquid water, and that is the most effective method for purifying water that there is. You could live on ocean water forever. You could live on pond water, lake water. Um, it doesn't matter if there's arsenic in the water or biologicals or whatever. It is the most effective method for purifying water that there is. And mm. that's why the Red Cross recommends it. And it's why I designed the survival soul in the first place, because although it is the most effective method, there was no simple, effective way, uh, effective distiller out there on the market. And so that's why I designed the, the survival cell. Yeah. Yeah, I think some people that watch like survival shows or something might see how to how to make a makeshift water still with, you know, plastic and taking perspiration off of plants and the dew and things like that. But yours just kind of shortcuts all of that. You can boil even contaminated water. So, you know, Flint, Michigan, take that really horrible, the, the water that we're reading about or hearing about on the news, boil it. What comes off is certainly you know, easy, you know, it's, that's pure water to drink. And, and at four inches by 12, I mean, this, what you're talking about is something that can even, you, if, even if you need to bug out, you've got something that can easily go inside of a backpack or be strapped onto the back of a backpack or something like that, that will help you. I mean, you can just kind of take it with you. So, so awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now just one more point, and that is for everyday use. The survival still is used for an emergency situation. For everyday use, I think it's also very important to use a distiller, although um, this goes back to my father's company where they make appliances for the home. This is what I use every day to drink because we live in a toxic world. Those people in Flint, Michigan, were drinking that lead contaminated water for over a year before they even knew it. Mm. And this happens a lot more than you think it does. But the damage is done by the time they know about it. Yeah. And it's ir irreparable damage. I mean, the, the kids are permanently damaged because of consuming that lead. And so that's why distilled water and purified water is you really got to drink it every day because you just don't know what you're getting in the tap. Yeah. And I've never, I've known people with health problems like, um, you know, colitis and things like that, like ulcerative colitis, that they say that just drinking distilled water has alleviated a lot of their, you know, a lot of medical conditions. So, I mean, that your body needs water, it uses it for all the biological processes that you have in your body. And it's just like your car, if you're putting in really poor gas, you know, eventually it's going to wear away at some of the, some of the things, you know, parts of that keep your car going. Same thing with water. It's your, your body's most most needed resource and the better quality that you put in it, the healthier you're, you're going to be on, just on a daily basis. And you're right. I mean, it's just a horror, horrific story about what's going to, you know, a permanent, permanent damage. Imagine having a child who's, you know, one, two, three years old, just realizing that they're never going to, you know, they're always going to be permanently disabled to some extent from something that you took for granted that was coming out of your, out of your faucet. It's a horrible story. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, listen, everybody, as you can see that there, there are lots of different methods that you can plan for when it comes to water survival, but I highly recommend that you go check out Glenn's, Glenn's product over there because this is the most reliable source you have, even for everyday survival, everyday health. 
but also for an emergency, this is your most dependable resource. So definitely go check out his site. He's got a lot of great information over there. You can go look at it. That's over at www.survivalwaterstill.com and uh, good stuff. So thanks very much, Glenn. I appreciate you coming down. And listen, everybody, until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.